Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome back to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for my bonus Q&A conversation with Emma Strong, who is L&D Program Manager at Liberatex. And if you have not yet listened to our last conversation where we talked all about the onboarding program that Emma and her team built at her organization, make sure you go back and check that out, especially if you are involved in onboarding at all in your organization. We talked about how it's set up, especially with distributed employees all over the continent of North America. We talked about the live trainings they do throughout the week, how they set those up, bringing in guest speakers, and even how to warm up the room at the beginning of each session, as well as how they measured the impact of that program and the results that they've been seeing as well. So if you haven't listened, make sure you go back and check that out. Today is our bonus Q&A conversation. And Emma, we'll start out with your career. You've worked in academia, you've worked in corporate now, and uh, I'm curious, when you think about your career so far, what's been one of your biggest accomplishments or proudest moments to date? Well, this fits very well with our our theme of our prior conversation, but I think really the feedback on the onboarding program has been and is ongoing one of my proudest accomplishments because we consistently get people saying that it's like the best onboarding they've at a company. That was some of the early feedback that we got that has sustained throughout the last two years we've been running the program. And then we also get a lot of shout outs by name for members of our L&D team in that survey. Um, And that survey, by the way, we have about a 50% response rate and it's a pretty extensive survey. They can can respond without uh, answering their free response questions. They can just rate the program and, and call it a day. But we get a lot of free response feedback on that survey. So pretty good qualitative feedback. And that's really what I would consider to be my my product accomplishments is those bits of feedback that we get on that survey. And I always read all the responses right away when they come in because I'm always excited to see what everyone has to say. So I would say that's one of my product accomplishments. Oh, that's great. I love that. On the flip side, what's been one of your biggest mistakes or failures in your career and what did you learn from it? So This is more applicable to back when I was in higher ed as opposed to now. But one of the things that I can sometimes struggle with is procrastination of tasks that are stressful or overwhelming. And when I was an academic advisor, I used to get so much email from students on a a daily basis. Like, you know, if it was a deadline week, like 50 emails in a day, you know, like a lot of really high volume of email. Um, And I used to procrastinate that quite a bit getting back to them or just try to avoid avoid getting back to them. And I actually had a coach, I have ADHD. And so I had an ADHD coach who recommended to me a different way of thinking about it, of basically saying, caring for, at, at the time I was trying to transition out of higher ed. And what she said was like, caring for these students by getting back to them quickly is like, basically your pathway to get to where you want to be, right? Because you're spending so much emotional and mental energy on this whole back and forth of like responding or not responding or taking time to respond and then feeling overwhelmed by the workload. And all of that is just taking energy away from your ultimate goal, which is actually to leave this current job. And so by caring for these students a little bit better, it's going to be better for them, but it's also going to be better for you. And that was a really good lesson to learn at that time was just 
the benefits of being a little bit more proactive, both for myself and also for others. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. And it's a little bit of a mindset shift of how do you approach and think about what you're doing, which is, I think we can all relate to procrastinating on things that we need to do. I don't know too many people that don't procrastinate at all. I certainly still do. And sometimes it takes a little bit of a mindset shift to think like, oh no, actually, if I do that, that's moving me more towards the thing that I want and it's helping those people. I'm just curious from that too, especially for those listening who do get a lot of emails, especially requests for things. Did you ever, did you discover any other process that helped you kind of manage that or manage your time so you didn't feel like you were always being inundated or felt like you have to respond all the time to these emails coming in? Yeah. So in that role, part of my struggle was sometimes over the course of a semester, let's say in the academic calendar, I would be able to respond right away. And sometimes it would take me a day or two to get back to people just due to the volume and other workload aspects. And so part of my struggle was that I didn't want to set the expectation with students that I could get back to them immediately because then they would be potentially, in my mind, they would be potentially expecting that at other times of the semester when I couldn't accomplish that and then would be like upset with me. But that didn't really work out very great for me because I was just then pushing off the workload all the time. And so what I changed to doing was if there was something that was quick that I could literally just get the email, see it, shoot off a response within two minutes of receiving it, I would just do that and just get it off my plate. And then anything that required a longer response, obviously you have to kind of think about when you have the space and the mental energy to mm-hmm. respond to something that's a little more extensive. But I still do that in my current job where like if I get an email and I can literally get back to them in a minute after they send it and just answer the question, I just do it right then. So that was a little bit of a process shift for me. Yeah. I've studied a lot of time management, looking for ways to improve myself. And I think one of the tenets this may have come from getting things done, David Allen book that's very famous is that if there's something you can do in less than two minutes, just do it. And then other things, you know, put in a folder and save and block time to like do that type of work. But if it can be done now, just knock it out. So that's interesting to hear from a couple other questions about the work you're doing. You know, I just briefly mentioned at the end of our last interview, you do resume coaching for individuals in the corporate space. How did you get into that? And because I mean, everybody has resumes, but everybody seems to be like very confused by resumes, right? Even though they've been around for so long, like what should I put on there? And like, how do I do this? Like, how did, how did it come about that you ended up, you know, helping other people with resumes? Yeah. So I used to be a writing tutor. That was one of my jobs when I was an undergraduate student. I was working at a writing center. So I have some training in helping others with their writing from that experience. I worked at that job for about a year. And then also my dad's an English teacher. So I just grew up with a good understanding of like grammar and all that kind of like mechanics of writing from him. And I think as a result of some of those experiences, I've always been kind of like a go-to person for friends or family members when they have a difficult piece of writing that they're trying to get done. So like back when I was in school, it would be like, I have to write this touchy email to a professor and I don't want to get my tone wrong. Can you read this over and help me like reword this and things like that? So it's always been something I've been kind of involved with. And then about two years ago, I was helping somebody with their resume and just was reminded about how much I enjoy doing that type of work and resume writing. The nice thing about kind of being niche down to just that versus what I used to do in the writing center where I was more of a general writing tutor is that resume writing, as you say, is like very 
specific. It has kind of a formula to it, but also there's freedom within the formula as well. And so that kind of helps me hone my skills as a coach that I can be focused on that kind of narrow slice of writing. I'm not, I'm not advising folks on how to write their memos or, you know, emails or anything like that. It's just resumes. And so that helps me get better at what I'm doing as well as being kind of niched down like that. But I just really like it. I think it's really fun. And it's also a very impactful piece of writing, I think. Like it can really have an impact on people's career opportunities and stuff like that. So it's very meaningful to me too. Yeah, definitely. I have so many questions I want to ask about resumes, but we'll save that for another (laughs) time. I want to go back to talent development. You've been working in talent development for at least a couple of years now. What do you see right now as the biggest challenge in talent development? I think a challenge is... And I'm sure people have talked about this on this on this podcast previously, but I think a challenge is shifting from kind of the order taker mentality to being more of a partner to the business. Mm-hmm. And I'm really lucky to be in a place at my company where leaders at the business really do value our input as learning and development and trust us um, and our expertise. But I know not everyone is in that situation. And so I think that's an ongoing challenge of like, some stakeholders will come to you and already kind of have an idea in their mind of like what they want the solution to look like versus coming to you with a problem or a question and allowing you to be the expert to kind of consult with them and figure out the best solution. So I think that's a challenge that a lot of people face and that I've faced in other workplaces and thankfully don't have too much of a struggle with now for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's something that everybody needs to be thinking about. How can I become more of a partner, more strategic and less of an order taker? Because there's always that risk of being disrupted if you're in that position in the future. What's a, Emma, what's a trend that you're following right now where you're excited about in talent development? So I don't know if this is a trend in the field as a whole, but a trend at our company that I'm excited about is We recently did a training program where instead of having it be led by learning and development, we did a lot of train the trainer sessions with managers and had managers lead the different components of the program. And so we were focused on a particular topic area and we created two kind of activity outlines for them. One was like a Jeopardy style game to review some information that folks should basically already know but needed a refresher on. And then the other piece was like a role play activity using breakout rooms in Zoom, or they could do it in person if they have an in-person team as well. And so with both of those components, we had training sessions with managers to train them on how to facilitate those activities. And then it was up to them to facilitate it with their individual teams. And the feedback that we've gotten from that has been really excellent. They had a really good time with the activities and said they learned a lot. And it also was a lot less of a lift for our L&D team because we would not have had the bandwidth to facilitate all of those many sessions that happened around our company. We have about, our company has about 13 to 1400 employees. And so trying to get all those teams to do a training is a big lift for us. And so it benefited us and it benefited the teams to be able to to do a little more targeted training with their managers. So that was a really good outcome for us. Excellent. Is there a book or a TED Talk that has uh, made an impact for you or that you often recommend or maybe that you've just read or been excited about recently? Yeah. So I am, within the last year, I became a people manager and Life Labs Learning has a book. It's interesting. It's a management book and it's 
got a lot of sort of similar themes as other management books or resources that I've seen, but framed in kind of a different way than what I've seen before. So I think it's a really unique book. And I like the way they kind of frame their different skills. They have a variety of capabilities that they focus on. But yeah, it's called the Leader Lab. And then for TED Talks, I have one that I like called, uh, I think it's called The Myth of Bringing Your Authentic Self to Work. Mm -hmm. And that one's really interesting too, because we talk a lot about like, you know, bringing your authentic self into the workplace and what that looks like and the benefits of that. But this TED Talk is kind of a kind of a counterpoint to that argument a little bit because it's somebody talking about how when you're a person that has any kind of marginalized identities, that authenticity can be really risky in the workplace if your authentic self doesn't fit with the kind of dominant narratives in your workplace in a way. So she kind of makes the point that authenticity isn't always the best way to go for everyone and has some recommendations on some alternative ways of framing that in that TED talk, but it's a really interesting discussion. So I recommend that one too. That's interesting. I just looked that one up. I'll have to check it out. You know, even when, no matter what the point is, if there's a point out there, there's usually a counterpoint or a different perspective, which is always, always good to, to hear what other people think and have to say. So that's one worth checking out. Emma, is there a platform or an app or a tool that you use that you like that makes your job easier or you find helps you with productivity? Yeah. We mentioned this in passing in our last conversation, but I really like Airtable. I use Airtable a lot for different pieces of kind of data management and gathering information. So if you're not familiar, Airtable is, I would call it basically a data management platform. It's web-based and you can do a lot of things. My favorite thing about it is that if you have a spreadsheet in like Excel, let's say, you can really only sort by like a couple fields at a time in a way. But with Airtable, you can group your data by different fields and sort within that in like a layered way. So you can sort by one uh, aspect and then the next aspect and the next aspect and kind of layer your sorting and filtering. So if you have a lot of data that you're working with, it's really helpful in trying to visualize it in different ways. You can also have like a form that folks fill out that feeds into your data. So that's what we use for a lot of our program surveys as well. Hmm. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, I have a friend, Alex in the UK, who runs his whole company on Airtable, CRM, everything in there and uh, is always encouraging uh, us friends of his to to go give it a shot because the, there's like, you can do everything in there basically. So I'll have to play with that sometimes. Good to hear that you're using it because I hadn't heard of people in the corporate space. Last question, Emma, for those out there in talent development who are looking for ways to achieve more success in their careers, what's one more piece of advice you would give? My best piece of advice is to find community. So whatever that means for you, whatever type of community you're looking for, whether that's within your industry or within your field of work, like for instance, my company's in the legal space, so I could pursue like community in the legal space. I happen to be more focused right now on my community within learning and development as a field of work, but any either of those approaches or any approaches to that would be would be great, but yeah, I think just finding that community piece, especially if you're somebody who's on a small team in your day-to-day work or an individual like team of one, I think having folks to bounce ideas off of is really helpful and also makes the work a little more enjoyable as well. 
and I know Andy, you have your your community, the talent development think tank that I'm a part of, which is part of my community building for myself, which I really enjoy. And there's others out there as well where you can find that. But that's my my piece of advice is to just find community somewhere. Yeah, I agree completely. I think the future is all about community. There's an epidemic of loneliness going on out there. Actually, the Surgeon General in the United States wrote a paper about it. And uh, I think we need it more than ever. And it could be work-related, personal-related. You know, obviously people have gotten, you know, gathered in faith-based organizations for centuries. But today there's an opportunity to find communities for all kinds of different professional needs. And you mentioned you're a member of the Talent Development Think Tank. I wonder if you could just talk about your experience since it has been nearly a year now as a member, and then we'll wrap things up. Absolutely. So I remember my first Talent Development Think Tank, I was kind of going back and forth like, because it is a paid community, of course, right? And I was like, do I want to invest in this? Do I not want to invest in this? I pay for it myself. My company doesn't pay for it. And so it was a personal investment for me to decide to join. And I remember coming off of the first call that I joined and being like, well, that was worth my fee. Like, if that's all I get out of it, like that was worth it. Because I, I can't remember the name of the guest speaker, but he was talking all about like data and like leadership in a way. So talking about, talking about how when we invest in development for leaders, we're often investing in leader or investing in development for folks that are already privileged in a way, because Mm. in so many organizations, diversity tends to go down in various aspects as you climb the ladder of the organization. That's just sort of a pattern. Yeah, I remember that. I think that might've been Matthew Daniel. I'm trying to remember. Yes, I think you're right. But that was like so interesting and I had not ever heard anything framed that way before. I think you're right that that's who it was. I know I connected with him on LinkedIn afterwards and have been following him since that time. And so that's just one example. We also have the open forum community calls where we just are connecting with each other and helping each other with things that are coming up for us. And so, yeah, looking forward to joining the call later this morning, actually. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, we've got one in an hour. I'm going to be leading that one. So uh, hopefully it'll be good. But we also bring in lots and lots of great guest speakers throughout the year. And uh, we'll have to get you lined up to run a session this year, whether it be on onboarding or something else. I know we've talked about that. Emma, this has been great. Thank you again for coming on and sharing all your wisdom around onboarding, even, you know, mentioning some of your proudest moments and mistakes and things that you've experienced in your career, as well as the challenges and trends that you're seeing. So I appreciate I know people can reach out to you on LinkedIn if they're interested in connecting. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in the community and talking more with you in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. All right. Take care. All right. That will do it for our bonus Q&A conversation with Emma Strong. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And as you heard, Emma is a member of our talent development think tank membership community. She joined and got value from the very first call. And I wonder if it would be the same for you. If you're not yet a member, come check out our website. Come join us. I think we're still offering a free 14-day trial, which would allow you to join and join a call and then see if you like it. And it's going to be valuable for you. Our website is TD. TT.us. There's info on the podcast there. You can click on community to find out about the different tiers that we offer in our community, the foundation level for early career professionals, the full level for experienced talent development professionals, and even our entrepreneur mastermind for those who are running a business in the talent development space. All that is at tdtt.us. You can also click on conference to find out about our next conference, which is coming up in November of this year in Orlando. Go ahead and check that out and you can get your tickets now. I hope to see you there.